0: Hey there, everyone. Uh, before the podcast begins, I just wanted to say a few things. Uh, I'm sorry it's been so long since there's been a podcast. Last week, I was busy recording the, uh, the Call of Cthulhu for Scape's Thesis. The week before was New York Comic-Con, and the week before that, we were supposed to have a show, and we didn't. Uh, the truth is that the reason we didn't was there was a a real-life tragedy, uh, the death of a contributor to the show. His name was Jar He would be known better to everybody who listens as the voice of Sam Jackson, as the voice of the voice inside Nathan Van Etten's head uh, among other things he was a great guy and everybody involved in the show is incredibly sad that he is no longer with us I took the week off and Devin and I went up and we attended his funeral and it was kind of beautiful seeing so many people who cared so much about someone who was so well who was so caring and and friendly and loving himself everybody who knows him is poorer for him being gone uh, and everyone who doesn't know him is poor for not having the opportunity to. So I, I just wanted to start the podcast off by saying that uh, I don't want to talk about it on the actual podcast because something r- real and tragic like that has no place in the world of of Casted Wax uh, that the podcast exists in. It, it's it's just not quite right. Um, the fact is, though, we uh, on the podcast are quite behind on the serials that all of our good Binghamton friends have been making. So the fact is uh, that you will hear his voice quite a few times between now and when they run out of episodes with him on them. There's quite a few more Slam Jackson episodes. There's some more Nathan Vinnett. And then there's series we haven't even heard begin yet that are going to have his voice in them. So uh, I hope that for those who know and love him, it won't be too hard to hear his voice again so soon. And I hope for those of you who don't know him again, that you, well, that you enjoy the the shows and, Get some of the joy out of hearing them that we got out of knowing him. Thank you for listening, and we'll probably have a, a, a short tribute to him on a later episode, hopefully next week. But I just wanted to start the podcast with that. Uh, and now a somber song.
1: Waxwork, she's the sight for me. Waxwork, she never bores me. Story. Got those creative projects just for me I never wanted any other mother-loving website Don't ever format the drive
0: Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Joni White, and that was a somber opening, a uh, song. Uh, this is a very downer of a song, which is unfortunate because this is a celebratory episode in many ways. Uh, I'm sure there will be people who are celebrating. There are some of us who are unhappy, and there are some of us who are happy. But I'm going to try to keep it light because it is a holiday. It is Halloween. It is a spooky, spooky Halloween day. Now, technically, when I'm saying this to you, it's Halloween. Or rather, let me let me rephrase that. When you are hearing this, it is at the earliest Halloween. That's the way I should say it. Uh, but in fact, we're recording this pre-Halloween because uh, during the actual Halloween holiday, well, it's, it's a Monday and that's awkward and I've got things to do. And the weekend before that, I'll be in Binghamton. Uh, so we're recording early. But like I said, it is a celebratory episode because whew, for the first time in a very long time, a, I don't even want to count how long of a time all right i'll do it um looks like the first time in 11 months the four original co-hosts of cast and wax are all physically here in a room together and we are all recording together so let me go around in a uh, circle and introduce everybody as you know i'm jordan d white the primary host of the podcast and the owner of the podcast but i do have with me uh here on my right Mr. Scape White, my cat.
2: Hello, Dad. How are you
0: today? I'm good. Now, Scape, I know... Uh, we've got some exciting stuff from you later in the show. Let's uh, talk about it really briefly before I introduce everybody else. We'll get to you. We'll sure. get to you. Alright. Um, so later in the show you're going to have your... My
2: thesis, thing. my The first part of my thesis is going to be aired on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm really excited so that you guys could hear it. And um, I think you will really like it a lot.
0: Good. Good. And and it was a lot of work, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. But, we're, but we should talk about it when we get to it.
0: Alright. That's very wise that's a wise advice but we will so we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show but you guys can listen listen uh listen up close it's a halloween themed show so that's going to be a scary uh a uh, uh, song that you hear from his thesis so hopefully you will all enjoy it uh next to him is Mr. Rory Singen. Hello Rory. Hello. Yes. It's it's a pleasure I must say to be back in America uh, even 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 only briefly. Well, yes, only only briefly but for even for a day it is nice to be back in America because I am a fan of America. Not that I'm not a fan of you know my own country, mind you, but I it's I I was I've I've missed it is the truth, and I'm I'm very happy to be here. Well, we're we're happy to have you back, as you as you probably recall. Uh, Rory, uh, was a, uh, made responsible for the, the, the destruction of Japan. Which is
1: completely unreasonable.
0: Well, well, okay, but the point is that he was, and he had to pay for it, and he had to dec- declare bankruptcy, and as a result, he lost his green card to be here in the United States. Which is unfair. Right, right, but, um, you know, you are managed to be back. Yes, I, I, I did manage to come back because, well, as you know, Kasten Wax was awarded a grant for $15,000 from the June T. Loveburger Charitable Trust, so... It is, in fact, wholly because of the June T. Loveburger Charitable Trust that I can be here today, and can, in fact, be here for every episode of the podcast from for now, as 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 long as we still have the money from the June T. Loveburger Charitable Trust, which I should mention did get quite a large cash injection very recently. Well, about a month ago now, to the tune of was it was it one million dollars? I believe it was. All right, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for that. Yes. Yeah. Well, hold on, you haven't been introduced yet. Everybody, all right. Everybody knows who I am. I mean, come on! Why are we why are we tiptoeing around this? My name's Frank Allen. Uh, for most of you who are listening, you probably are listening because I'm on here. What? no, that's not that's not true. Well, I know. I'm pretty sure that's true. No, most of the people who listen to my podcast do it because they like the serials. They like the 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 stuff. Some of them are friends with me. You know, they, they don't listen for you. Okay, the people who used to listen to your podcast listened probably not primarily for me. I'm saying now that I'm on the podcast again, the majority of ears that are actually taking in the voice that is going on right now, my words are probably here because they heard that I was going to be appearing on this podcast every episode from now on. So, you know, it it was not exactly confidential information that this ridiculous court case Says that I have to be on every episode of this show. So, yeah, I think that my fans, all around the world, are probably listening and downloading this podcast in vastly larger numbers than the piddling amount of people who listened to the podcast back in the day. Back in the day, last episode. Back in the day... No, I was on last episode, too. So, in fact, that was the monumental court case episode. That was probably vastly downloaded by people who downloaded it because I was on it so that then they could talk about what a miscarriage of justice it was. But what I'm saying is, yes, I believe that this episode is mostly going to be downloaded by people who love me and don't give, well, don't give a a hoot about you. Well, thanks a lot. You know, I tried to start the show on a positive note. I I mean, I was saying, oh, not all of us are thrilled. And I but then I tried to actually, you know, say, Oh, it's a holiday, let's all and and here you are already crapping on the rest of the show. It, it's gonna be a much better show than it used to be because I'm on it. That's the ego I if there wasn't a judge Listening to every episode of this podcast to make sure that you are on it, I would absolutely throw you out of my house right now. Well, technically, I can because you're on the episode. That's not in the spirit of. The, I think, you, come on, it's it's obvious that he wants me to be here co-hosting it, not just make a quick appearance. Oh, not no, not just make a quick appearance like the quick appearance that you give me on your show. That's different. How is that different? It's different because I wa- I originally was a co-host of this show, so to put me back on as a full time co-host makes sense. That's that's what I do on this show. That. And, you know, do interviews, which I've noted you don't have me doing right now. I mean, maybe at some point, but no, not yet. Right. Anyway, my point is... On my show, you have never been an element of my show, so the fact that I've given you a small segment of my show every episode is already a huge change from my show. That's a, a, a very large departure from the way my show usually is. Completely unprecedented on my show that you have a segment. So you should be thanking me for that. <sighs> well, thanks a lot. Thanks so very much for giving me like a five minutes per episode. Five minutes per episode is a very good amount of time. And you're doing a thing you like. You're playing the ukulele. Well, yeah, okay. Thank you for letting me play the ukulele on your international show well then when i say it like that it it doesn't sound like i can say it sarcastically does it no because it's nice of me to have you on there it's not nice of you though that's you were mandated to by a judge well okay yes and i wouldn't do it by choice right right that's my point any anyway (sighs) we're all back together as you can hear so um oh uh what we've been doing while you've been away frank is that we do start the show as you heard last week during the court case we start the uh the show with a little chat like we just had, introducing everybody who's on the show, me, Rory, Scape, and now you. Um, and then we go into our first segment, which pretty much universally is uh, the show, Oh, come on. Thank you very much. Was that necessary? Yeah,
2: that's... Because that's the part where I sing. That's very necessary. Yeah, but you
0: don't have to sing about me being a thing that you just called me because I'm not that thing. Well... No well. Actually, yes, there's a very big well. The very big well of... Well, I should say the very big well is, in fact, you who are an... People look at it and they go, oh, it's like someone dug a well in the ground. And it's like, no, that's a soul. That's Frank Allen. I think your metaphor is getting really confused. No, it's, it's a very good metaphor. Look, I've studied things. I know things. Okay, the point is, for this segment of Soul Watch, here's what I want to talk about. Frank, you caused me to go bankrupt. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I was... I was searching for you when Slam Jackson destroyed Japan. Well, he didn't actually... Well, Well, he's close enough to destroy Japan. It was basically his fault. And if it wasn't his fault, then it's certainly not my fault. Well, I mean, it sort of isn't, no. No, but they... Look, the point is, Frank, I hired a private detective to find you. And that is why it is unreasonable for me to have to pay it Especially when you are rich, you should be paying for this thing. Uh, no. Because I did not ask you to find me. I know where I was the whole time. You didn't have to hire a private detective to find well, me. Well, no, of course I didn't, and I didn't want to. Jordan made me. So then Jordan drove you bankrupt. No, well, I mean, it was really... I mean, it's, it's really Sam Jackson's fault, but the point is, all of you contributed, except for Scape. You were all right. Thank you very much. You're welcome, but th- look, I think my point is, you basically ruined my life. Well, thank you for the compliment, but I, I cannot accept the, the credit. No, I'm not trying to give you credit. I'm trying to give you blame. No, this is not a good thing. My I'm living with my parents, with my with my mother, I should say, and Thomas, Thomas Edison, and they are having a lot of sex in my room. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about that. I
1: don't want to smell it, but it, it's oh, a, it's okay. a fact. Rory. And things happen. W- w-
0: this is what you wanted to talk about for this segment. Well, no. Uh, look, Frank. I think you owe me an apology for what? Well, for a few things. First of all, for driving me bankrupt. Not my fault. All right, then let's say that's not your fault. How about the apology you owe to Jordan and myself for disappearing in the middle of an episode, letting us both down, and in fact, I was letting you stay at my home free of charge at that time, if you remember, and you just were gone. Completely gone without so much as a buy your leave. I have to ask you to leave, to leave your apartment? No, of course you don't actually have to ask my leave. I'm just saying, you could have said something. Why did you leave? Look, that's personal business. Yes, and I'm asking you to explain it. No, I, that's not, that's not the kind of place that, uh, I explain things. So where is the kind of place that you explain things? Look, if you really want to know about me, then I think you should get an interviewer to interview me. What? Well, you know, like, I mean, who's the best interviewer you know? Oh, oh, I know who it is. It's probably me. So I can do an interview with myself. No, no, that's... Frank, then you can't interview yourself. Oh, I can. I'm very good. I I have the talent. I have the abilities. I know how to do it. No. No. If anything, I'll have someone else interview you. Why would I want you to interview you? Like That would be a very boring thing. Just one person sitting there talking to themselves? No, yeah, but I would, like, edit it so it sounds like there's two of me. So it's like I'm talking to, you know, so we talk over no, no, each no, other. No, 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 no. That's stupid. That's Nobody would want to listen to that. Well, I think people would want to listen to it. A lot more than the people who want to listen to this. Excuse no, me. No, you're wrong, jerk. You, you keep calling me a jerk, and I don't understand because it. Because you're an egocentric jerk. Okay, uh, fine. <sighs> Long and short of it is, this is Apple watch. You know why? Because he's an asshole. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And so, everybody, I, it seems, I'm, he's been on the podcast now for, what, 12 minutes? And it's already very, very, very clear why we have a segment called Apple Watch, dedicated to what he's been doing with his life. So, Frank, uh, since you are here, let's talk to you a moment about your actual life. What is the situation? You're, you're producing your show overseas. Yeah. And I have to fly to Italy to be on your show. Well, like I said, for the first episode, I wanted to have you actually there. But now that we've established you playing the ukulele on the show, I I think we can probably do it either live via satellite or just have it as a filmed segment that you could film here in New York. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because, yeah, I mean, while it is incredibly cool flying to italy and it's a little glamorous um it takes up my whole weekend which is part of the reason we haven't had a show in in a couple weeks right right so that's fine you can just i i know people who have studios here in in new york you can record it here cool cool um but at the same time but you can't i i don't want to have you skype in because that was loud i don't want to skype in anybody who skypes in is some sort of cheapskate no that's not fair i did not have any money i i cannot afford to fly over here like you you have this money you can just throw around you know right and that's why i'm doing i mean that's what i'm saying i can't afford to just say to my writers writers you know work on the next episode of the show i'm gonna fly to new york and uh, let, when i get back tomorrow you can show me what you've got and so i that's what i do i stay at a really nice hotel downtown right right they will not right. even let me stay at a hotel because we need to make the grant money last you uh, come on well you know, if, if, perhaps if, if we can get a hold of more of that money, you know, that, that million dollars, you know. Well, we would still need to conserve it. I, I, don't think we would want to waste it on hotel rooms. Well, to be fair, Jordan, what are you going to spend a million dollars on other than hotel rooms? Yes, extra history is really not that, that expensive. We don't have to spend that much on the actual readings. We can spend it on my living, you know, situation. That doesn't sound like it's in the spirit. It is. I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. In fact, you know, I'm sure we can get in touch with, with Miss Loveburger and find out exactly what she thinks is in the spirit, you know. So perhaps, you know, we could, we can talk to her on the show. Oh, you know, that's a good. Idea, I could interview her as a, an interviewer. All, all right, we're, guys, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're, you're trying to like plan out more episodes of the show. We're we're back together for the first time. Let's let's focus on the present, Frank. I haven't seen you, uh, not including Court, in eleven months. What is there to talk about? Look, we're doing a show. This is we're keep. Let's keep it professional. Oh, okay, let's keep it professional. So what do you what what is how do we how do we how do we keep it professional? Yeah, you know, I mean, I just what like I don't know what that. Okay, is. um, working with amateurs. So all right, let's focus on the. The actual events of the show that we're listening to right now. What is going to be on this episode? Well, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to have the first part of Scape's thesis. That that's going to be exciting. Okay. What else? Well, we've got uh, four episodes of This Day in History from Rory. Great. Just what I, just what I wanted for my first episode back. They're very good, actually. Thank you very much because of the June T. Lovebug Charitable Trust funding my ability to you know really really delve into extra history. Yeah, that's a great thing to spend money on anyway uh what else we got jordan what else we got well uh we have another episode of slam jackson uh which should be really cool and then we also have an entirely new show called uh, chop henderson so uh that that sounds pretty exciting i'm looking forward to hearing that I'm, I'm sorry chop henderson adventurator i'm sorry what chop henderson adventurator so like like slam jackson adventurist well no i know because it's adventurator. No, i got that it's a different word i'm just saying it's a similar thing so hang on so you're saying these people can rip off the idea of Slam Jackson, but I can't? So you're admitting you ripped it off? No, I'm not admitting anything. I'm just saying th- these people rip off Slam Jackson and you don't you don't make a, a big deal about it. Well, again, first of all, I don't own Slam Jackson. And second of all, these are the people who created Slam Jackson. So anything they do is... By nature, not a rip-off. It's their own thing. So, sort of like when you accuse me of doing something similar to debatatorium. Uh, no, because debatatorium was my idea. Well, potato, potato. No, it, it's not a potato, potato. It's, it's, it's whether it's my potato or your potato, and it's my potato. Whether you pronounce it potato doesn't matter. I own it. It's, it was grown in my garden. Jordan, you don't have a garden. You live in New York City. Right, no, it's a metaphor. Again, I, why are you having trouble with metaphors today? I'm not. I studied. I studied lots of things. What's a metaphor in, Um, a metaphor is when you say... Okay. A metaphor is like when you say... A metaphor is when you say something is, something is not. No, that's like a row. You no, know, a lie... Well, I mean, a metaphor is... It's a different kind of truth. What? Okay, um, what's an example? It's like if I said Scape is a, you know... You were like crouched, lying in wait for Boo, and getting ready to pounce on her, and I was like, Scape was, was a was a fierce tiger waiting to pounce on his prey. No, that's true. That's what I am. Well, you're not, you're not actually a tiger. Dad...
2: I mean, I basically... No, you're
0: not. You're not literally a tiger.
2: Whoa, well, no, but I'm basically literally a tiger.
0: I have tiger blood. No, you don't have tiger blood. That's something you heard Charlie Sheen say. Yeah, but he was talking about me. Come on, bro, I got tiger blood. You don't. You're got, you've got. you got house cat blood. On my cross from killing. No, in your veins, from living. Wow. Well, you are living. No, I know, I'm living. Okay, there, there's a metaphor is when you describe something, you... you 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 describe the qualities of something by identifying it as or like something else. So if I say something is as silent as a tomb, it's not actually a tomb. It's it's as silent as a tomb is silent. Or if I say the room became a silent tomb, that's a terrible metaphor. Yes, I even I knew that and I studied. What does that mean? Look, I'm just saying. Don't listen to him. Look escape. It's when you say one thing is something that it's not. And it, you're you're saying that not because you, you're lying and not because you're wrong, but rather because you're saying it and it conjures up an image in the listener's mind and it makes them think of something that is true.
2: You guys are talking gibber yeah
0: yeah i mean metaphors are kind of gibber but they're like a literary device you know it's something that you should know as a storyteller
2: Whoa! i never thought about storytelling if that's
0: what you mean then you should know about metaphor is what i'm saying no that's not what you're saying what you're saying is i don't know what you're saying clearly okay um guys you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get on to the shows because we do have a whole bunch of stuff and we have some letters to read afterwards so uh, let's get right to the shows like I said, I'm gonna start us off with Slam Jackson then we're gonna pound right into this day in history four entire episodes yes, and they're going to be excellent thank you, June T. Lovebug, a charitable trust right, 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 thank you, uh, June um, and then we're gonna try this new show Chop Henderson so meet us back here in uh, just a few well, no, no, don't, don't actually, don't meet us back here. Stay, stay, and listen to all the shows between. We'll be back, but you just stay where you are. We'll be back. We'll be gone, and then we'll be back. I'll be back in the middle. Right, right, but, okay, so, happy Halloween, everybody. Don't get scared, even though it's gonna be pretty scary. Especially my pot. Oh, God.
3: Slam Jackson! Adventurers. Adventurist! by C. Henry Berman, Pete Bowers, and Daniel Schwartz. Season two, episode six, The Great Gatsby. Our story opens in the palatial palace that is home to Slam Jackson, private investigator and famed adventurist.
4: Oh, we're doing this
3: now. As his faithful man Friday is sorting through the bookshelves looking for places to put his CD collection.
4: Why don't you just get one of those vinyl books that has all of the CDs in it?
3: AND SPOIL THE COVER ART THAT GRAPHIC DESIGNERS PUT SO MUCH THOUGHT INTO?! PREPOSTEROUS! OR, rather, as preposterous as anything Slam Jackson says could be! Music is meant to be displayed! A feast for the eyes!
4: There are several problems with that, though I've been meaning to get rid of some of these anyway.
3: PRECISELY, GOOD BUDDY! NOW HOW ABOUT THIS DAN BROWN NOVEL?!
4: Ugh, God. Put it in the donate box.
3: Your wish is my command, splendiferous spoiler of spite. How about this? The Philistine Prophecy by Stephen King?
4: Oh, keep it. Absolutely keep that.
3: Even as our hero vociferates his desires, I replace the book upon the shelf.
4: You're just narrating you now.
3: You're right. Maybe you could give me a hand, oh Prometheus of the modern age.
4: Oh, sure. Push me that box of CDs you brought out of storage. You own these.
3: What are you talking about?
4: The best of Boney M. James Taylor sings Motorhead. Amazon cricket sounds.
3: My tastes are eclectic.
4: Music to dip candles by.
3: Listen, you radiant replicant of rectitude.
4: That one's a stretch.
3: I don't talk about the books you like. So far, the only thing I've found worth keeping is F. Scott Fitzgerald's timeless classic, The Great Gatsby. I suppose you want me to throw that one in the box too. Oh. Zounds, could it be that that illiterate eliminator of the illicit actually likes a good book? I don't
4: know. I really hate that book. But it was a gift from an ex-boyfriend. We had an ugly breakup and we're friends again. Better keep it for now.
3: Astounded at this sudden display of taste in fiction, I replaced this gift from Slam Jackson's as- Wait a second. Boyfriend?
4: Yeah, God, what a bad experience.
3: You dated a dude?
4: Um, I only date dudes.
3: You mean that you're-
4: Yes.
3: This whole time? You didn't know? It's just-
4: I feel like we're repeating ourselves.
3: But I've never seen you, you know.
4: What, you think I would do it in front of you? With all these nemeses, I haven't had a date in months.
3: But if you did, it would be with a dude, right?
4: Yes, it would be with a dude. I'm gay, I date dudes.
3: But what about Sultry Mysterious? Turned her down. Or Hellcat?
4: She kidnapped me.
3: Or Whitney Andralia?
4: Everybody experiments.
3: Uh, Slam? Yeah? Are we dating? Oh, thank God. No sooner has Slam Jackson opened the door than he is brought face to face with a masked assailant! It is I, Slam Jackson, your arch nemesis. Who quickly excuses himself having entered at a very awkward moment! Uh, okay. Sorry about that. I'll come by later.
4: Look, guy, we're not dating, we're roommates. Gay roommates?! No, well, me, but not you, apparently. Even if you were, you're not my type. I prefer taller men. Taller, quieter men.
3: I don't know how to feel about that.
4: Just shelve the books. God, what's wrong with you?
3: What is wrong with me? What will I do with this copy of The Great Gatsby?
4: Just toss it.
3: What was with that other guy? Tune in next time for Slam Jackson. Homosexual! No. Fine! Slam Jackson! Adventurist!
1: In that episode
0: of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weissner, Slam Jackson was Jack Coonrat, and Arch Nemesis was Patrick McGuire. Hello and welcome to this day in history on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory St. On October 10th, 1901, Henry Ford drove one of his automobiles for the first and last time in an automobile race sponsored by the Detroit Racing Club and held at the Gross Point Racetrack in Michigan. Let's listen.
5: Darling, I'm so glad we decided to let Toonts's drive too. Goodness, yes. I'm always so happy to include our cat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Toonts. My,
6: well,
0: you're unusually large today.
6: <laughs>
0: oh no, a horse and buggy! Ah! Of course, there was a a horse and buggy on the racetrack because uh, the buggy owner was letting his cat drive as well, uh, highlighting the fact that you should not allow your cats to drive as they do only have one life, not nine, as is reported by some falseness. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton.
1: But it gets scarier from there.
0: My name's Roy Singer, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cats and Wax. And you're probably wondering what that story had to do with the whole nine lives cat thing. Well, I'll tell you. It was, in fact, after the death of Toontz's Ford that the rumor of nine lives for cats began because that poor dead cat came back as a ghost and spread the rumor itself because it wanted all other cats to be killed, to join him in the cat afterlife, even though he wasn't actually in the proper cat afterlife because he was an unsettled spirit here in the human world haunting his owners. Anyway, the point is, yes, this maleficent ghost went about spreading the disinformation that cats have nine lives in a hope that... Cat owners would be cavalier with their cats' lives and would just go, Oh, they've got lots of lives, you know, they don't have just the one, they have many lives, they have nine of them. And then therefore the cats would then die, and everyone would say, Oh, they must have been on their ninth life. So they wouldn't they wouldn't do the research and find out that cats in fact only have one life. But I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you cats only have one life. Don't let his ford. He's a lying, evil, malevolent ghost spirit cat who is trying to haunt the world and make it a worse place for all cats because they'll be dead. In some ways it'll be a better place for the cats that are left, but you know what I'm saying. It's a worse place for being a cat in general, because odds are someone's gonna let you die because they think you have Wrong. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History in Gas and Wax. This is WHRW Binghamton with Rory Sinjin in This Day in History. On October 17, 1973, the Arab-dominated Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, announces a decision to cut oil exports to the United States and other nations that provided military aid to Israel in the Yom Kippur War of October 1973. Let's listen.
5: These gas prices are outrageous. I'm just gonna start walking. Stupid war. Okay, this is me walking. Ah!
6: Man, I almost hit that lady. Oh no, look out for that truck.
0: Unfortunately, everyone was so distracted by the high price of gasoline that none of them yielded to pedestrians, causing OPEC to reconsider due to the tragic deaths of so many walking people. They lowered the prices so that no one has to walk today. This is this day in history on WHRW Bingham. But the real horror is what came next. My name's Roy Singen, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. And what I didn't tell you before is that that gas shortage is, in fact, what began the zombie plague that overran the world. People decided they were going to walk, and after they got hit by cars and killed, they did not stop walking. They were so determined to walk that they kept on walking, and that's what started the plague of the walking dead. Now, unfortunately, it is very important to remember that while you can kill zombies by hitting them in the brains with various objects, you know, either either shooting them or, you know, baseball bats, things like that, um, it is illegal to hit them with your car because pedestrians always have the right of You always must yield to a pedestrian, so if you're driving in a car and a walking dead zombie walks out in front of your car, make sure you remember, it is against the law to run that zombie down. As a walking person or creature, you know, that is recognized by some as human, it is totally in the right of way to walk in front of you, even if it's not at a crosswalk. You're going to get in trouble. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is, keep that in mind. Kill zombies in other ways. If you want to, you know, hold a baseball bat out the side of your car and smash them in the face as you drive by, that's fine. But if they walk in front of you, no, don't, don't do it. It's against the law. So... My name is Rory Syngin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. Hello, you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. This is This Day in History, my name is Rory Sinjin. On October 24th, 1901, daredevil Annie Edson Taylor initiates a famous stunt tradition when she goes over Niagara Falls in a wooden barrel. Taylor, who performed the feat on her birthday, went over the 175-foot-tall Horseshoe Falls on the Canadian side of Niagara, inside of a barrel five feet high and three feet in diameter. Oh,
5: God! This is the most creative way I can think of to end it all. In a few minutes, my life will be over, and it will be so sweet. (laughs) Why are all these people cheering for me?
3: Yay, Annie!
6: Look at her. I I want to send that lady money. She's so courageous.
5: (laughs) If only I weren't so poor, I had to kill myself.
6: Annie, don't do it. I love you. Oh, darn. Too late. In
0: retrospect, I should not have walked. Oh, hey, that's good, I guess. Proving once again that not killing yourself is probably a good thing. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Oh, but wait for this one. It's going to be really scary. My name's Roy Singen, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax? And what you did not realize is both Annie and her boyfriend were turned later into vampires. Yes, it was very, very terrible. Unfortunately, they were some sort of, you know, they were kind of those, those namby-pamby kind of vampires that nowadays happen where they say, oh, we don't like to kill people, we don't like to kill people. But the thing is, they were totally full of crap, and here's why. Because, yes, they didn't like to kill people. They didn't want to just kill people who were just going around innocently, you know, living their lives and then ending their Lives, what they did is they sought out people who were going to kill themselves and they drank their blood, thinking oh they're gonna be dead anyway. That's really terrible. That's a really awful thing to do because you should really help those people. You should not drink their blood. That's you know it's kind of the opposite of what you should do. Drinking your blood, not so good. And so vampires pretty much always universal theme, vampires are evil. And I know you're gonna say, Well, what about this one? What about that one? Those are exceptions that make the rule. That's a that's a thing you can say to negate all exceptions. So the point is, vampires are terrible, and people who want to kill themselves, they are wrong and they need some help of some sort and if you are one of those people you know make sure that you don't do it because you know it's not a, it's not a good idea my name is uh rory Singer, and this is where are they now in history Welcome to this day in history on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Roy Singin. On Halloween, October thirty-first, fifteen seventeen, Martin Luther, a professor of biblical interpretation at the University of Wittenberg in Germany, nails his ninety-five revolutionary theses on the door of the Castle Church, marking the beginning of the Protestant Reformation in Germany. Let's listen. And
6: that is ninety-five. Okay, now we can start Protestantism. Oh. Hello man from the future, how are you doing today? Uh yes, hello sir. I'm from the uh TSA. Ah, okay. How's that working out for you?
3: Uh well not very well, because um we do have you identified as being a possible terrorist. Really? What did I do? Well, uh when you were talking about killing all those Jews
6: because they're sorcerers.
2: Daddy, daddy! Yes, Ilsa? Can we go trick-or-treating tonight? Look at my costume! I'm a bomb!
6: Well, isn't that precious? Don't you think that's precious, man, from the future? I think it's precious
3: that you're using your own children as improvised explosive devices? I think not. You're coming with me. Oh but the future is terrible. It's just a costume.
0: You should really consider confession. Proving once and for all that you shouldn't even joke about bombs around the TSA or you will be arrested on the spot as Martin Luther was, thus ending Protestantism forever. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But the real truth is even more frightening than that. My name's Roy Singen and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cash and Wax. And the real truth is that Martin Luther was, in fact, a werewolf. About a year before he started Protestantism, he was out in the forest alone on a full moon and he was Hearing the strange sound that was like a howling sound, out from the bushes pounces a werewolf. It tries to eat him, it's got blood dripping from its jaws because it's been devouring people and all that, you know, tearing limb from limb. And Martin Luther had a cross with him, so he jammed out the cross, and it got stuck in the monster's mouth, so he couldn't close his mouth, so he couldn't eat him, but his finger got nicked on one of the werewolf's fangs. And the thing is, of course, as you know, if you get hurt by a werewolf, you become a werewolf. So the next full moon, Martin Luther became a werewolf, and so on and so on for the next few full moons, and every full moon he was killing people of his village. He didn't want to do it, but he had no choice. My point being that it is actually quite a good thing, that if you even joke about bombs around the TSA, you'll get arrested, because this way it put a terrible werewolf out of commission when we couldn't touch him on the werewolf thing, because being a werewolf, not against the law, but joking about bombs around the TSA, that is against the law, so it was sort of an Al Capone tax evasion situation, we got him on the one thing because we couldn't get him on the other. Don't joke about bombs around the TSA, you could get arrested, remember that when you're travelling. My name is Rory Singen, and this is Where Are They Now in History, on Cast and Wax.
6: Sharp Henderson Adventurator! Episode 1, Night of the Living Thread. By Pete Bowers, Charles Berman, and D.A. Schwartz. Ordinary men would desire to be him. Ordinary women would desire to be with him. The virtuous laud his glory. The vicious curse his name. He is a master of six martial arts and four fine arts. Fluent in 17 languages and conversant in Bengali. Educated at Oxford, the Sorbonne, and the University of Cape Town, Chop Henderson Adventurator is here to end
7: saving the day. Well, Bogworth, it's a good crisp morning to have defeated the shark ninjas, wouldn't you say? Indeed, sir. I suppose you might say they are (laughs) thin-ish.
6: One might, sir.
7: Now we need only wait for the adoring press to arrive.
6: Indeed, master. Moments later, a mid-sized sedan pulls up. At the sight of the Shark Ninja's ignominious defeat. Out of that fuel-efficient chariot steps the live form of any italic
5: girl reporter. I went to journalism school for this crap?
6: Indeed,
0: madam. Hey
5: Bogworth. Free for dinner later?
0: No, madam.
7: Mm, What's the pity? <coughs> oh, chop. You're here. And nowhere better to be, any italic girl reporter. With these shark ninjas about, ready to have been defeated by me? Aha! Uh-huh.
5: Don't they suffocate if they stop moving?
6: They do, madam.
7: Thank you, Bogworth. But their danger remains, for the smell of their carcasses represents an odoriferous pollutant to the air of our fair city. Sure,
5: it stinks. But that's because you made them stand still. I mean, this is really all your
7: fault, isn't it? No other may claim credit here. Ahem. Certainly not Bogworth. So, you murdered some deformed Japanese
5: sharks and are now admitting it? Precisely, any italic girl reporter. The day is saved. This represents a significant public health hazard. Have you called the Department of
7: Sanitation? No. Sounds like a job for... Bogworth, do call the garbage men.
8: Right away, Sir.
7: So, plucky any italic girl reporter, have you come to admit your feelings for me yet? Nausea? Shame? Oh, pity. Mm, keep guessing. Revulsion?
5: Hatred? Scorn? Are you getting colder? Yes, I am. It's what, 12 degrees? My editor sends me out into the cold for you. As a
7: majority stockholder in your newspaper, I ordered him to assign you to my exploits. I know.
5: That's why I'm here. Instead of covering something
7: worthwhile, like a meeting of the city council or Slam Jackson. Oh, do not speak that accursed man's name. I bristle with the indignity of his presence.
5: Yes, bristling. That'll look good buried behind the minutes of the ladies' auxiliary picnic on page 21. Is there news here or just a big pile of seafood? I've got some coffee brewing at home.
7: Do not be so hasty, any italic girl reporter. I have a full day ahead of me, defeating many evildoers. Okay,
5: go. I could be home now in my
7: jammies. Your jammies will have to wait. We have business at the art museum.
5: Oh, you mean the big opening yesterday? News?
7: Here's some news for you. There was a break-in last night.
5: Yes, Chuck. That was Arthur Heist. Slam Jackson caught him admiring the painting at a coffee house. That's yesterday's news, like you.
7: Can't find it! Justice! But what about the disappearance of Mayor Fontenoy's collection of Faberge egg noodles?
5: Pasta La Vista confessed to that after he accidentally threw up on Slam Jackson. Turns out those aren't digestible.
7: A pox on his GI tract. Then what of the kidnapping of Toby McMilliams, the boy who explodes? He just went to the movies. Slam Jackson Silence! With- It seems we have a new mission today, Bogworth.
0: You don't say, sir.
7: I do say, sir. We shall find Slam Jackson and make him pay!
6: For what, sir?
7: Focus, Bogworth. Finally, a story!
6: Into the sunrise drives the butler of our unsurpassed hero with our hero sitting comfortably in the back seat. Behind them drives Annie Italic, girl reporter, finally on the trail of her long-sought break. And behind them all drives a cabbie, ferrying me with them as I continue to narrate the exploits of Chop Henderson, Adventurator. (laughs)
0: In that episode of Chop Henderson Adventurator, the narrator was Charles Berman, Chop Henderson was Pete Bowers, Bogworth was Bailiff Quimby, and Ellie Italic Gov Reporter was Angela Schwartz. Thank you very much, Rory, and that those were a lot of fun. First of all, regarding Slam Jackson, I knew it. No what? That he was gay. I totally called that he was gay. I totally spotted that earlier. Yeah, didn't I thought we all knew that. Yes, it was pretty obvious. No, it wasn't. It wasn't obvious because I guessed it. I was like, oh, that seems to be the case, and everybody was like, really? No, I think we all pretty much accepted that it was true, and we always knew it before that, even. Oh, I thought. Oh. Okay. But I will point out that the fact that he's gay has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I hate his guts. It's all because you know he cost me all that money. <laughs> Whatever. Oh. So what? You, you're you on Slam Jackson's side? Well, no. I mean, I'm no fan of Slam Jackson. Slam Jackson is kind of a jerk. But I have my own reasons for disliking it. And what are those? Well, you know. What? What, what is it? Well... He solved the murder. What are you, what are you talking about? The murder of Alan Thomas. Don't you, do you not remember? That's when I left. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You left in the, when he was solving the murder. Yeah, the murder I pinned on Lim. Pinned on, so you actually did have something to do with it? What? No, no, of course not. I'm just, I just, I thought she did it, so I kind of made everybody think she did it because I, I was convinced. But then Slam revealed that I was wrong, which is not something I'm comfortable with. So I, you know, ran out. Oh, that's all, that's the only reason you ran out? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the that's the bulk of it. I he said that thing about that Frank guy, and I thought he was trying to pin it on me, like as revenge for pinning it on Lynn. Oh no, no, that was Franklin Shandy. Oh, I know, I know, I've been following the story. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, that was Franklin Shandy. He he killed Alan Thomas. Him, him, and Galen Thomas. Yes, yes, exactly. But you seem kind of calm about the whole situation. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I I was really upset at the time. It was an embarrassment. But now I I realize that I'm incredibly famous and rich, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh. Okay, so that- that takes away your troubles? Well, most of them, yes. I mean, I must say, back when I was rich, I was absolutely loving it. It didn't take away all my troubles, because then I got sued for this bankruptcy thing. Right, thankfully that doesn't happen to me. You should be so lucky. What does that mean? Well, I- I don't know. Okay, so, um, anyway, thank you for those, uh, those episodes, whoever sent them to us, I- At any rate, it was great, Slam Jackson Adventurist, terrific stuff, Uh, even though it revealed something I guess everybody already knew. And then Chop Henderson, very fascinating. Oh yes, actually yes, it's very fascinating, because Chop Henderson sounds like a man after my own heart. He hates Slam Jackson, so I'm on his side. I mean, I'm pretty much over it, but I guess if I had to choose, I'd probably go with Chop Henderson. He sounds like a, a decent dude. Yes, absolutely, so Chop, you know, you go to it and destroy Slam Jackson, because he really needs to be taken down a peg. You know, he should be made to pay... For the reconstruction of Japan and not me paying for it. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, it's your own stupid fault for hiring. It was Jordan's idea. Well, I was trying to find a friend. Okay, look, let's, let's get past whose fault it is that Rory's bankrupt because, you know, we've talked about that enough and I think we can just move on from it. It doesn't affect us anymore. It affects me. No, he- you're, you're, you're bankrupt. It, it's done. It's happened. Uh, the point is, we've got a couple of letters. We have actually two audio letters. We have one, uh, textural letter and we have um then we have something to, to do after that as we know escapee's uh, thesis so let's get on to this uh ooh, what should we start with let's start with an audio letter um here is one that we got in uh it doesn't say who it's from but let's give it a listen
8: hello jordan this is your mother and i decided i would write a audio letter to the podcast so first of all how's everything doing i hope you're making the bed and keeping everything clean and tidy it's very nice that you keep putting together this podcast, but I have to ask you to stop doing this watch segment. It's very rude and impolite, and also, it's not very nice to Frank. Frank and I have been having a good time having constantly lots and lots of raunchy sex, and we went to England to afford it originally, but we're coming back home to do it, um, and Frank needs a room in the house, you know, a place to stay, so I gave him your old room. I hope you don't mind, but you haven't been living there for years, because now you're in Queens, um, so Frank's gonna be in your old room uh, to have sex with for me, um, and also, please stop saying mean things about him on the podcast, it just doesn't look good for me. And besides, you, you curse in it! Even though you bleep it, people know that you're saying all and it's just not a very nice thing to do. I don't want people tuning into the podcast and thinking you're it's all about insulting people. Also, why are you still letting your cat procrastinate on his assignment? If that was my cat, I would have made him finish that right away, or else he was enrolled out of school. I would have taken away the tuition. He would have been gone. Finished. Done. Extensions, what is this? As far as I'm concerned, he should have no more shot at finishing this H.P. Lovecraft assignment. But say hi to Rory from me. Everything's fine with me and Frank. Hope everything's fine with you, too.
0: Love your mom. Okay, that is... This is totally not true. That was such a giant fake lie. Yeah, I, I just want to go on record as saying that's totally not true. Thank you. Thank you, actual Frank Allen. I have never had sex with your mother, Jordan. I have never had sex with your mother. So... That is completely untrue. I don't know why she's saying that. Right. I, th- well, that's, I mean, that's not my mother, but, um, th- there's so many things wrong about it. I, my room, my mother, I didn't, I, the, the, the place my mother lives, I mean, uh, let's get, we we'll get a little personal here. My parents are divorced. And so when I lived with my mother, she was not living in the building that she lives in now. So there is no my room. I never had a room in that house. So there is no room for her to give to Frank Allen. And she didn't give me a room. I don't live with your mother. No, I know, but I'm just saying it's, it's, super not true yeah it is super not true it's actually what we in the business call libel no i think libel's in print all right it's what we in the business call slander apparently i know better than you do the business it doesn't matter the point is it's slander and i'm going to sue your mother because she's not allowed to say these things about no 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 that's not i'm that wasn't my mother that was like a guy doing a girl voice look i've never met your mother all i'm saying is that person who identified themselves as your mother said things about me that are not true who am I gonna take legal action against? Your mother, because she said- No, that, that wasn't my mother. Or she said she was your mother. She said she was a she, she's not even a she. Your mother's a man. No. No, that was a man. My mother's a woman. That's why that was not my mother, among other reasons. Okay, but I don't have any, again, I don't have anybody else to sue, so I'm gonna have to sue your mother. No, Frank, you can't, you don't, you can't sue my mother. You're not, I mean, fine. Feel free to throw your money away suing my mother. You're not going to get anything because she didn't say those things. Well, she has a representative saying these things. No, it wasn't my mother. It's nothing to do with my mother. People are saying that my mother had sex with you, and it's not true. I know it's not true. I know who I had sex with, and definitely wasn't your mother. Wasn't my mother? What, what does that mean? You had sex with somebody else. Look, that's mother. not what we're talking about. That's this is. I don't that's not what we're talking about who <laughs> really so Frank has been having sex with someone's mother you know that makes you Frank it's not so much of an asshole but rather no, don't no, don't say it I mean come on you, it's just gonna get beeped anyway well, I, but it does it, it does make you that yeah, thing no, j- just, will you please stop Rory just drop the whole let's just drop the whole mother oh, you thing. want to drop the whole situation about MF moist food. did you say moist food? that's not what he was trying to spell
2: but that's what he spelled moist food
0: MF that's how you spell it right ex- that is exactly what I was saying Frank Allen is a moist food if you know what I mean no I don't know what you mean. I mean, there's people in the moist food. You eat people. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, I know that.
0: But why? Frank Allen is not in the moist food. No, no. I I don't know what we're talking about anymore. The point is, Rory, just, please, let's just drop the whole subject of mothers. And I did not sleep with Jordan's mother. Jordan, I didn't sleep with your mother. Let's just leave it at that and not go one word forward from there. Fine, fine. The point is, that was not my mother, and my mother's never slept with Frank Allen. True. She has not. Good. Okay, good. Um, okay, where were we? Oh, uh, Frank... Would you mind, uh, it's been so long since you've read a letter, uh, because you haven't been on the show, would you mind reading this letter for us? Sure, I suppose that's fine. Uh, dear Jordan, not a lot going on this week, still looking for my missing daughter, and I've gotten a couple of strange anonymous notes. One said, ask Jordan about his photography lessons with Girl Scouts, and the other just asked you to deliver more of these strange radio episodes. Do you have any idea what these ones might be about? Thanks, Rochester Adams. Oh, Mr. Adams, well, uh, thank you, first of all, because apparently you were the one who delivered... The radio serials to me. Sorry, I got confused over where the radio serials came from. Well, I don't know who asked you to deliver the radio serials, but I know that we typically get them, well, we used to get them from Charles, and then he, I don't know, got hurt, or maybe he's kidnapped, or maybe he's off having a tryst. I don't know. But I'm glad you sent me the radio serials because they do, they're an important part of our show. Ask Jordan about his photography lessons with the Girl Scouts. Um, I don't know what that's talking about. Are you sure you don't know what that's talking about, Jordan? Because if that's talking about what I think it's talking about, it's a very serious thing to talk about. Well, no, I don't. i d I don't. I've never, I don't have, a, I, I don't even, well, I mean, I guess Devin and I do own a camera. Are there pictures of Girl Scouts on that camera? No, no I don't think so, no. You don't think so? Uh, Rory, Rory, please. I am the investigative uh, reporter here. Um, sorry, l- let me Let me handle this. Uh, Frank, come on, I'm just, No, no, no I'm a professional. Uh, Jordan, you don't think so? How is it you don't think there are pictures of girl scouts on the camera? Is it possible there are pictures of girl scouts on your camera? Well, I I you, no, I mean, I what I'm saying is like I didn't take pictures of girl scouts. There might be pictures of them like in the background. Like i took a picture of Devin and behind her is some girl scouts I didn't notice. Is that what happened? You have pictures of girl scouts that in the background? No, I I'm, I'm not saying that I do have pictures. I'm saying I'm saying I don't know. I I'm saying I as far as I'm aware, I have no pictures of girl scouts. If one were to find a picture of a Girl Scout in my camera, I'm sure it would be in the background because I didn't actually take any pictures of Girl Scouts deliberately. So that's your alibi. No, it's not. I mean, I mean, yes, if I had an alibi, that would be my, I don't understand why I need an alibi. I think you understand. I think you understand what these photographs of Girl Scouts would be. You know what? Let's just lay this on the table. Are you accusing me of taking pedophilic pictures of underage girls? Well, yeah, but you takes the fun out of it if you say it. So you did it. No! I, that's that's what I'm saying. No, I don't have any pornographic pedophile pictures of Girl Scouts. You do realize that by saying that out loud, now this podcast is flagged for re- the rest of time. <sighs> well, I hope that you're wrong about that. I don't think I am. Okay, look, I did not take any pictures of Girl Scouts knowingly. If I took pictures of Girl Scouts, it was an accident. So you actually acci- you could have accidentally taken pornographic pictures. No, no, that's what I'm saying. There's no pornography. I don't have any pornographic pictures of Girl Scouts at all. None. You're sure of that? Unless, you know, the girls I have on my computer happen to have been Girl Scouts when they were underage, but these, their pictures of them are not underage. They've grown up. Since the pictures were taken. No, not... No, before... I'm saying... No. I'm saying that I do look at pornography, but it's not of underage girls. So, if the girls who are of legal age were at one point Girl Scouts, are they still considered Girl Scouts? I don't know. Well, Jordan, I told you, once you're a Girl Scout, you can't leave the Girl Scouts. They kill you first. So, in that case, I I... Well, I don't want to say that that means I have naked pictures of Girl Scouts because I don't. That's not That's not true. I'm don't. i not going to say that. I, all the pictures I have of pornography are of legal age. All of them. I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I don't have the records, but I'm assuming. And if they're not, I don't know that. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. You, you do know that, right? Well, even if I didn't know that, it would apparently not be an excuse. Right. So, you're screwed. No. I, okay, fine. I'm going to delete all pornography on my computer. So, here. Gone. There are ways. There are forensic ways to get that back no there's no (sighs) there's no reason to because okay what this is ridiculous frank i'm not a criminal well we haven't determined that yet i yes i have determined that i have never taken a picture of a girl scout naked in addition i have never taken a picture of a girl scout clothed to my knowledge so you have never to your knowledge taken a picture of a girl scout with her clothes on or without her clothes on this is getting you're getting you're digging yourself deeper in this hole no okay mr adams (sighs) I'm sorry that your daughter is missing. There's a missing girl involved in all this. I forgot about that. What is the deal with that? Look, I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. Mr. Adams, I'm sorry your daughter's missing. I don't know where she is. She doesn't want to reveal herself to you. She doesn't want to reveal herself to me. Well, you've been trying to get her to reveal herself. No, Frank, will you leave stop will you drop that? I that's not the case. I've never taken pictures of your daughter. I never wanted to take pictures of your daughter. Uh, I'm not attracted to your daughter, I'm not attracted to underage girls, I'm not taking photography lessons, I've never even given legitimate photography lessons to Girl Scouts, let alone weird fake code words for kinky things. So, I don't know anything about it, just please, I don't, just, uh, let's all, can we just pretend this never happened? You'd like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, Frank, I'm not a, I'm not your interviewee and you're not- don't gonna pull anything on me. Well, I'm telling you what I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna let this go Yes, you you have to because this is re- that's no, I don't want this to be an ongoing plot on the podcast We have lots of ongoing plots. I don't want me being a pedophile to be one of them Then perhaps you should have thought of that before. There's no before. There's no before because I didn't do anything Jordan, you're protesting a little too much. Don't you think like a, a Shakespeare woman, you know? No, I'm protesting just enough the actual right amount because I mean, that's a, That's the thing. That's a ridiculous thing to say because what am I supposed to say to prove that I'm not guilty? Yeah, I did it. So you did it. No, I'm saying I didn't do it. But I'm saying if I didn't do it, which I didn't, how am I supposed to prove that I didn't do it other than saying I didn't do it? And if I say I didn't do it, you go, "Oh, you're protesting too much." Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't do it. I'm not going to protest anymore. So next time I ask you, you're going to say you did it. No, that no. I'm going to say let's move on to the next. If, oh, oh, look, it's an audio letter. We're going to have to play it right now. I'm playing
6: it. Greetings, Jordan D. White. It is I, Charles H. Berman.
3: And I, Cheryl A. Casey,
6: we wish to congratulate you, Miss Jordan D. White, beep click, for discovering our true intentions. Were bloop.
3: Charles Berman is indeed so creative and amazing a man that I find, that I find, that I find, 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 find him completely irresistible in a purely sexual manner.
6: Being a true, 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 true gentlemen. click, Were I had to involve Cheryl Casey in a romantic tryst, pop, click.
3: So we hope you understand we are bleep, safe, flip, boop, and do not pursue us.
6: But we would still greatly appreciate four million dollars.
0: Oh, well, that was uh, our good friend Charles and our good friend Cheryl. Uh, we've heard from them recently. So apparently they're not kidnapped. That's good news. They are, in fact, as I theorized, having a romantic tryst together. Very scandalous. Very scandalous because I'm pretty sure Cheryl has a boyfriend. Maybe not so much anymore. Um, and that, well, I mean, she probably still does. It's Charles now. So that's it's scandalous. That's the scandalous part. You no, know, Jordan. I think those are robots. Actually, I'm sorry. Robots, robots, you know, like, um, there was a, a robot Jordan, a Jordan robot one time, and there was a Frank Allen robot, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that did happen. Escaper made them.
2: Well, no, I didn't make them. Dr. Stoloff made them. I just, I just owned them and I told them what to do and they listened.
0: Uh, yeah, I vaguely remember that, but I don't, that's not what they sounded like. They didn't sound anything like that. Those Charles and Cheryl voices. No,
2: they sounded way better than those.
0: Yeah, they were—they were closer to to my actual voice than that was to Charles's actual voice. So clearly, I, so I—I I think we can assume that wasn't a robot. It was probably just the real Charles and Cheryl. I'm sorry. So the logic you're using here is that. Because it didn't sound close enough to Charles' normal voice, it must really be Charles'. Well, right, because like, what I'm saying is if somebody was making a robot to emulate Charles, they would probably sound more like him than that. So why doesn't Charles sound like himself in this audio clip? I don't know, why. sometimes it happens, you have a cold, you sound a little different. Yeah, that happened That happened to Jordan and I, remember? That happened to all of us, we all got sick that one time, and we had to use the computer voices. Yes, but that was not a computer voice, that was a voice that was very much like Charles's, Just not an exact replica, you know, it was a little off, and it said click and whir and pop. That's like those are, I mean, there's probably a cough that makes you say pop. Well, or it's uh, like a form of Tourette's. Uh, look, I don't know. My point is, they seem to be safe. But, Frank, they're they, they are asking if they could have $4 million. Now, a lot of people have been asking us for $4 million recently, but none of us have had it. We've been trying to raise some money, uh, but you actually have $4 million that you could spare, so... Well, spare. I mean, what does that, what does spare mean? Well, it means that I think you could spend that much money and not feel a large blow to your lifestyle. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Sure. If that's how you define spare... That's a, I think that's a pretty fair definition of spare, don't you think? No, uh, because I don't. I would never say I could spare $4 million. Do you mean could I lose $4 million without knowing about it or without it caring, really? Yes, but I do care. Uh, so I'm not going to... No, I'm not giving you $4 million. No, no, I didn't want you to give it to me. I wanted you to give it to... Well, I don't know. They didn't even say what they need it for, did they? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not just going to give somebody $4 million because they said they like it. Everybody likes $4 million. Well, sure, sure. I mean, I'd like $4 million. Yeah. I'm not going to give it to you either. The point is... I'm just, I'm not going to give anybody my money. I already had to give 2 million to Japan and 1 million to the stupid fund. No, it's not stupid actually. The June T Loveburger Charitable Trust is not stupid. It is an excellent resource for extra historical society. Whatever. I think extra history is bogus. The point is I'm not going to give away any more millions of my dollars. I've given away enough millions of my millions of millions of dollars did you say you have millions of millions of dollars not not literally not literally okay good good, good. Why is that good because you don't deserve it okay um anyway those are all the letters we have i, I think i did not mention before that you can write into us at castinwax at gmail.com uh you can send us either a text letter that you type you know I'm, I'm doing a type pantomime it really is it's it's really stupid No, it's not this is how you type everyone knows how to type and if they don't they're not going to type so and they're not going to see your pantomime to learn fine uh, you can either type it or uh, you can send an audio letter, either as an MP3 or a WAV file. That's awesome. I love getting audio mail. So please record us a little message or type us a little message. Send it to us, castinwax at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Anything else we want to say before we go? We're
2: told you didn't do our segment.
0: No, no, I'm, I, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. But because you said you wanted to do that special thing. Oh, right, 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 right. So I'm going to ask uh, Frank and Rory if there's anything they want to say before they go. Uh, yeah, Frank Allen Investigativa Variety Hour. It's uh, not on in America, but if you're listening to this overseas, you can check your local listings. I'm sure you already know when it's on if you're listening overseas, because you're probably only listening because I'm on the show. That's not necessarily That's not necessarily true. It's pretty true. i <sighs> And Rory, anything you want to say? Yes, I I love America. I'm sorry I have to leave so quickly. Um, but I do, you know, Jordan, I, I actually, uh, is it yours if I go right now? Well, we're gonna, I'm gonna stop the recording in like two seconds, so. Right, alright, oh, I can wait for that. What is your, is your flight, like, in, like, in an hour or something? No, no, my flight is not for quite a few hours, but I have other plans I, I, I wanted to do downtown, you, know? you made other plans? Look, I'm only in America, very briefly, so yes, I made other plans while I'm here. Alright, well, whatever, uh, write into us, castinwax at gmail.com, uh, friend us on Facebook, or like us on Facebook, I should say, uh, facebook.com slash castandwax. The website you can go to is castandwax.com or waxwork.com, W-A-X-hyphen, dot com. What else? Is that about it? I believe so, yes. Can we? Yeah, let's wrap this up. Okay, uh, before you go, check out this awesome episode of Scapy Stories that we made special as a Scapey Stories slash Pet Sounds uh, extraordinary special. Here we go. Be seeing you.
8: Scapy
1: Stories from a cat and a dog.
0: Welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan White, and here with me is my cat, Scape. White. Scapey, how are you? I'm great. So we're here to hear a a Scapey story, but it's not your normal Scapey story because no one's going to be listening to it. Or rather, the people who are going to be listening to it are the entire audience of Cast and Wax. There's no one here to directly listen to it.
2: Yes, that's true. This is the first part of my thesis, but my thesis is adapting a scary story. So I figure we should do it as a escape story because that's how it goes.
0: Right. Whatever that means. The point is uh, listeners, I uh, hope you will enjoy this. Uh, you can write into us if you have any questions from home about his. Scapey story slash pet sound song. Uh it is castinwax at gmail.com to ask any questions. Here we go with uh the first part of Scapey's thesis. Scape, you wanna introduce it? Yes of course I do.
2: This is the Cry of Cthulhu* You by HP Lovecraft. Part one The Horror in Cray A single sing the word, god called the of shore. Shouldn't you bear